Chapter 16 of Way of the Lawless by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was just after the hot hour of the afternoon. The shadows from the hills to the west were beginning to drop across the village. People who had kept to their houses during the early afternoon now appeared on their porches. Small boys and girls returning from school were beginning to play. Their mothers were at the open doors exchanging shouted pieces of news and greetings, and Andrew picked his way with care along the street. It was a town flung down in the throat of a ravine, without care or pattern. There was not even one street, but rather a collection of straggling paths which met about a sort of open square, on the sides of which were the stores and the inevitable saloons and hotels. But the narrow path along which Andrew rode was a gantlet to him. For all he knew, the placards might be already out. One of the least of those he passed might have recognized him. He noticed that one or two women in their front door stopped in the midst of a word to watch him curiously. It seemed to Andrew that a buzz of comment and warning preceded him and closed behind him. He felt sure that the children stood and gapped at him from behind, but he dared not turn in his saddle to look back. And he kept on, reining in the gelding and probing every face with one swift, resistless glance that went to the heart. He found himself literally taking the brains and hearts of men into the palm of his hand and weighing them. Yonder old man, so quiet, with the bony fingers clasped around the bowl of his corn-cob, sitting under the awning by the watering trough. That would be an ill man to cross in a pinch. That hand would be steady as a rock on the barrel of a gun. But the big square man, with the big square face who talked so loudly on the porch of yonder store, there was a bag of wind that could be punctured by one threat and turned into a figure of tallow, by the sight of a gun. Andrew went on with his lightning summary of the things he passed, but when he came to the main square, the heart of the town, it was quite empty. He went across to the hotel, tied the gelding at the rack, and sat down on the veranda. He wanted with all his might to go inside, to get a room, to be alone and away from this battery of searching eyes, but he dared not. He must mingle with these people and learn what they knew. He went in and sought the bar. It should be there, if anywhere, the poster with the announcement of Andrew Lanning's outlawry, and the picture of him. What picture would they take? The old snapshot of the year before, which Jasper had taken? No doubt that would be the one. But much as he yearned to do so, he dared not search the wall. He stood up to the bar and faced the bartender. The latter favored him with one searching glance and then pushed across the whiskey bottle. "'Do you know me?' asked Andrew with surprise, and then he could have cursed his careless tongue. "'I know you need a drink,' said the bartender, looking at Andrew again. Suddenly he grinned. "'When a man's been dry that long, he gets a hungry look around his eyes that I know. Hit her hard, boy.' Andrew brimmed his glass and tossed off the drink, and to his astonishment 
there was none of the shocking effect of his first drink of whiskey. It was like a drop of water tossed on a huge blotter. To his tired nerves, the alcohol was a mere nothing. Besides, he dared not let it affect him. He filled a second glass, pushing across the bar one of the gold pieces of Henry Allister. Then, turning casually, he glanced along the wall. There were other notices up, many written ones, but not a single face looked back at him. All at once he grew weak with relief. But in the meantime, he must talk to this fellow. What's the news? What kind of news? Any kind. I've been talking more to coyotes than the men for a long spell. Should he have said that? Was not that a suspicious speech? Did it not expose him utterly? Nothing to talk about here much more exciting than a coyote's yap. Not a damn thing. Which way you come from? South. The last I heard of exciting news was the stuff about Lanning, the outlaw. It was out, and he was glad of it. He had taken the bull by the horns. Lanning? Lanning? Never heard of him. Oh, yes, the gent that bumped off Bill Dozier. Between you and me, they won't be any sobbing for that. Bill had it coming. But they outlawed Lanning, have they? That's what I hear. But sweet beyond words had been this speech from the bartender. They had barely heard of Andrew Lanning in this town. They did not even know that he was outlawed. Andrew felt hysterical laughter bubbling in his throat. Now, for one long sleep, then he would make the ride across the mountains and into safety. He went out of the barroom, put the gelding away in the stables behind the hotel, and got a room. In ten minutes, pausing only to tear the boots from his feet, he was sound asleep under the very gates of freedom. And while he slept, the gates were closing and barring the way. If he had wakened even an hour sooner, all would have been well, and, though he might have dusted the skirts of danger, they could never have blocked his way. But with seven days of exhausting travel behind him, he slept like one drugged, the clock around and more. It was morning, mid-morning, when he wakened. Even then he was too late. But he wasted priceless minutes eating his breakfast, for it was delightful beyond words to have food served to him which he had not cooked with his own hands. And so, sauntering out onto the veranda of the hotel, he saw a compact crowd on the other side of the square, and the crowd focused on a man who was tacking up a sign. Andrew, still sauntering, joined the crowd, and, looking over their heads, he found his own face staring back at him, and, under the picture of that lean, serious face in huge black type, five thousand dollars reward for the capture, dead or alive. The rest of the notice blurred before his eyes. Someone was speaking. You made a quick trip, Mr. Dozier, and I expect if you sent word up to Hollowell in the mountains, they can. So how Dozier had brought the notices himself. Andrew in that moment became perfectly calm. He went back to the hotel, and resting one elbow on the desk, he looked calmly into the face of the clerk and the proprietor. Instantly, he saw that the men did not suspect, as yet. I hear Mr. Dozier's here, he asked. Room 17, said the clerk. 
Hold on. He's out in the square now. It's all right. I'll wait in his room. He went to room 17. The door was unlocked. And drawing a chair into the farthest corner, Andrew sat down, rolled a cigarette, drew his revolver, and waited. End of chapter 16